All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast. It's Wednesday. It's February 26th. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is... James Davis. And we are coming at you with a pretty big... There's no way to know how many games are on here. I just... Uh, there's no there's way to no count way. this ahead of time. There's no, no, there's no way I could write like a... Nine games. Cell phone, nine, cell phone. Games. nine games. There we go. We're there here for a nine-game slate of basketball. So I think it's going to be an interesting one. There's a lot of injury news that we're going to try to dissect. After a night with not too much injury news, it was good games. Like the Raptors and Milwaukee was a good game. Uh, Lakers, I was really rooting for the Pelicans. I, I'm, now that I said yesterday, I think the Pelicans are going to make the playoffs. That one little comment by me in the podcast is uh, enough for me to have them turn into my favorite team. It didn't take, doesn't take much for me. I don't need to have a lot of sweats. I'll, I'll, I kind of just need to, you ever feel like that? Like you just need to say something to one person ever and then that all of a sudden becomes yeah. the you truth def- that you- find your whole existence on whether it happens or not. I'm sort of feeling like that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm sort of feeling like that with my Zion and, 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 the, and the Pelicans at this point. But we will roll through the games, kind of break down some more of this injury stuff, lands, and then try to make sense, at least early on, of where we think the sort of cash game builds for DraftKings and FanDuel are going to go. The first game, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I'm ready to totally talk about the Wizards yet. After I mentioned this on yesterday's podcast with just being tilted off the planet with the Wizards getting overtime out of some of these guys against the Bucks the other night, and then Giannis not getting there, and then, of course, she's now playing full run the, the, the following night. But Brooklyn goes in to play Washington. Brooklyn coming off a tough loss to the Magic. This game is a huge total. I believe it's the highest of the evening. That's yeah, it's a little bit ahead of the Clippers and Suns right now. It's two thirty-five. This could be two thirty-four and a half. Um, I mean, how much disclosure do we want to this game? It's Dinwiddie, Lavert, guys like mm-hmm. this. We can go the other way, talking about the the Washington guys, and that really just means Beal from a trust perspective. But uh, give me some of your thoughts on this game. Yeah, I think you can go fairly deep on this game. I mean, yeah, it's a nine-game slate, so yeah, you're probably not going to get six guys from this game or anything, but. Uh, Dinwiddie in particular is showing up very aggressively in our model, and I, I think it makes sense. I think there is some context around why he sort of stopped producing at that 37 to 45 fantasy point level, um, a series of just both tough matchups and tough game scripts. So you get Toronto and Philly. Well, you go, he goes Toronto, Indy, Toronto, Philly, which is a brutal stretch of opposing defenses, and he's still totally fine, serviceable during those things. A weird game script with Charlotte. And then a very slow matchup with the Magic too. Uh, the Magic, you know, probably an underrated, underratedly bad DFS matchup. So uh, he's coming out of that with one of the very best DFS matchups in the league. Uh, last time they scored off against the Wizards, he only played 30 minutes again due to game script issues, but still managed 38 fantasy points. So I, I think it's going to be hard for us to get off him. Actually, I think he should be a line, lineup mainstay for us tonight. Uh, yeah, and I think that, that the the drop-off does I'm, – I'm totally with you. I think he's a great play. Washington's just too good of a matchup. The drop-off does coincide a little bit with the emergence of Karis Levert having more usage in the offense. Uh, Levert's taken 20, 29, 19, and 21 shots over the last four games since really effectively entering the starting lineup full-time and playing a lot of minutes. What I'm hoping for from the Nets here – and this doesn't always happen. It's just getting a lot of minutes out of the starters. I think sometimes that doesn't happen as much as um, it should. But I do believe Dinwiddie and Levert's uh, minutes uh, have a pretty high floor. I wouldn't even mind stacking them. Uh, I think you could stack them both in GPP. I think and so cash. too. I mean, Dinwiddie, he's still shooting plenty, by the way. I mean, in his last three games, he's got two with 19 and 20 shots. But the assists have been through the roof. I mean, Levert's emergence has totally coincided with Dinwiddie averaging almost 10 assists in his last six games. Yep. So. I think they, they are very stackable. They're not really uh, taken out of each other's plates. They're, they're complementary, I believe. 
I think on a smaller slate with less injury news, we'd be locking these guys in the cash and saying, forget about it. What we're going to find as we roll through these games is mm. there's just lots of very good value here. Some of the injury news has made it, made it, made it this way that these, I think, like I said, most nights, um, you know, seven game slate, six game slate, something like that, these guys would be, I would be kind of set it and forget it just because Washington, yeah. again, I, they're not the worst defense in the league anymore. Thanks a lot, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, who are just now, <laughs> now, now worse than Washington. But Washington is the second, second worst team in the league in defense. And the pace has slowed down a little bit for them, but they're still a top four pace team in the league. So they're just about as good a DFS matchup as you can get. What about a guy like Beal? Beal had the crazy night the other night against, uh, against the Bucks, where he at one point had like 53. He ended with more, but I think at one point he had 53 real points and 51 FanDuel points, which is incredibly difficult to do. <laughs> like it's incredibly <laughs> difficult to have fewer fantasy points than you have real points, when you, especially when you have this, just this many, because it just means you played a ton of minutes usually, right? Like I, I'm not saying you could do like a, I have four points and one fantasy point because I have three turnovers and I played six minutes, something like that. Uh, that wasn't the case here. He had it, like 39 minutes into the game had had uh, had fewer fantasy points than he did real points. But uh, do you think people will go out out for Beal here? The Nets have actually been a sneaky good defensive team really over the second half. Really, honestly, since they since Kyrie Irving stopped playing, um, they're almost. I think they might be almost in the top 10 of defense at this point. Yeah. So I think when it comes to Beal, our, our model is. I think almost always going to be low on Beal. Uh, we've played Beal very rarely this season. And for what it's worth, that's often been correct. I, like on the season so far, Beal, $9,400 salary at around 45 fantasy points a game on pretty consistent usage, right? I mean, yeah, Washington plays in some crazy games, but you have to go back more than a month to find a game he played fewer than 33 minutes in. And while he can play 39 to 41 minutes in close games, he often needs that whole run because he just doesn't really do much at all besides score, at least recently. So, um, And I think that trend has actually been going in the wrong direction, at least from a DFS perspective recently with uh, you know him averaging six assists on the season, but having eight total assists across 120 minutes or something in his last three games. So I'm not that bullish on Beal here. I, I think he's playable, but I think like you said, we can be pretty picky tonight in terms of where we want to go to spend up and where we want to go for value. And while Beal is fine, like if he was in our lineups, I certainly wouldn't cross him out. I just don't think you need to prioritize him. The rest of Washington, I think you can basically yeah. write off. They are getting Thomas Bryant back. People did play Mo Wagner the other day, but that was mostly because Bryant was mm -hmm. out and then forget about it with the rest of the I mean, Roy Hachimura played f almost 50 minutes last game, did almost nothing in those 50 minutes. So um, I think rest of Washington continues to be especially on a big slate, almost a definite stay away unless you want to, oh, I guess Bertan said that game too, uh, unless you want to just kind of roll some GVP upside. Outside of that, it mostly does seem like it's Beal or bust. Other 7 o'clock game, Philly goes in and plays Cleveland. The big news here, and it rolls over from last game, is that Ben Simmons is out sort of indefinitely right now with a back impingement, and that could be really bad news for them. Now, they won the game without him, but that could be bad news for their sort of just title hopes because I think there's some concern that he doesn't even come back this year. Yikes. I think the back issue is um, it's, it's reevaluated in two weeks. That means, like, uh -huh. we don't have any idea. We don't have any idea of, like, what's going on here, the severity of it. Uh, so he, but regardless, he's out right now with Philly going in play Cleveland. We saw it was basically all Tobias Harris and Joel and mostly just Joel Embiid last game without him, without Simmons. They're seven and a half point favorites, decent total. We have another interesting sort of punt center tonight in Jakob Pertl because uh, LaMarcus Aldridge is out. I'm only mentioning it now because 
do you, uh, right now we just have a beat in a hundred percent of lineups, right? Like he yeah. was just, he was, he was awesome. And I hate, I hate it when we have this other, like really good play <laughs> that's sitting there as a potential sort of punt that could go 35 points on his own, 10 X on his own. But is Embiid just the pay-up option here on FanDuel? I'm mostly talking FanDuel. On, on DraftKings, you can you can play them both if, if you want to. But um, you know, where do you stand here with Embiid? Is he just is he just going to end up being the FanDuel center play, knowing we have this like excellent, excellent other punt play uh, with with Pirtle? Yeah, it's funny. I actually wrote a whole section for our ebook that you can get access to for free over at dfsr.com/ebooks um, about this exact kind of conundrum, which is when you have a really good punt play. But that's the same position where you have your really good payup option. And this is just a math question. And thankfully, we have a lineup optimizer uh, over on the site that can solve these sort of problems for us. But it's very hard to kind of intuit whether this is the position to pay up or this is the position to punt. I mean, the thing is, we're only two games in here. And we've already mentioned three guys in Dinwiddie, Levert, and Tobias Harris that are fantastic plays in the mid-range, right? Like any of those, like I would say Dinwiddie's real expectation is like six and a half X tonight. Levert, probably similar. Tobias Harris, probably similar, maybe even higher. So when you're already working with that level of, it's not raw value, like the guy's 4,000, could score 40, but that's still a lot. And that's a very, very high floor value as well. So it's not a night like most where you would just absolutely need to slam Pirtle in there. The thing that many people will do, I imagine, is just play Pirtle, and then they'll go ahead and go up for Harden in particular. Uh, maybe Westbrook as well. They have a reasonable matchup against Memphis tonight, and I think that's fine. And I just don't know that. I don't know that that's ultimately the direction our lineup optimizer is going to go in. So, if you're concerned about us being off the chalk, DFSR chatters out there that are listening to this uh, tonight might wind up being one of those situations. Yeah, this is a hard one, right? When you get this kind of points per dollar value on someone that's this expensive, um, it's just the math is almost always going to support it. And I, it's going to be weird because uh, I don't want to spend all the whole time on this, but it is kind of, it, it does speak to sort of what this whole entire slate is about because it, it's one of those things too. I, I often wish this and DraftKings solves this problem is like, why can't Pirtle just be a power forward? Because then it wouldn't, then we'd be fine, right? <laughs> or like how if dual position eligibility yeah. existed, then we wouldn't even because the power forward options continue to be a little bit rough. Uh, you mentioned Harris. Harris was incredible chalk uh, the other night, uh, something like 75% start on a shorter slate. I don't think we'll see quite the ownership just because there's so many options. Still a phenomenal play at 6,600. Josh Richardson played a ton of minutes last game. Uh, I think he played 39 in regulation. He's 5,100 on FanDuel. Didn't, it struggled to kind of get there all the way on a fantasy point uh, perspective, but um, still very much in play. So a lot of good Philly plays here. Uh, Shake Milton started, but I don't think he played enough minutes. You don't need that on a big slate. I don't think you need to roll that way. Cleveland, I, I don't know what to do with this team. They traded for Drummond. He barely plays. Um, they got they went overtime the other night. Half the minutes went to the bench guys like Porter uh, and Larry Nance played a ton. Uh, Kevin Love did. I, I will say the one thing is Kevin Love did play like 33 minutes in, in regulation. Um, the only reason I mention that is because his price continues to stay on the lower side. Anything to see on Cleveland here? Uh, and then I think we can probably just move on. Yeah, right now our model's not seeing a lot to be enthusiastic about on the Cleveland side. I just think yeah, they're just a bad team, and it's a really tough matchup against Philly uh, defensively. So on a night where we can pick from nine different games, I don't see any world where I'm going to land on any Cavs <laughs> for this game. So oh, I think man, we can Cavs. probably just move on. It's, got, it's a rough, rough future. Rebu- it's there. a rebuilding phase. Well, I mean, <laughs> there's th- th- if we're just talking like raw basketball, I think the Cavs, like, they're not in the least exciting position of any team, right? I mean, they have like Oof. Garland and Sexton, two high selected guards who have shown at least some offensive promise, right? They have 
loves contracts uh, that they can. Who is le- who's less exciting than that? I think they're, I think they're, I maybe Charlotte, uh, but like, I'd, I'd rather know, Charlotte. If you have two highly drafted, relatively exciting offensive guards, that at least gives you. I, I get that they've been a bad team, but I think that at least gives you something to look at and be like, okay, you know, like how about Washington? You know, what's exciting about Washington? Brad Beal and. Bertans. I'd rather. I'd, 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 yeah, rather I I'd, I'd rather be rooting for Washington right now. I, honestly, Rui Hachimura. I, How about the Bulls? Uh, if they could stay healthy, yes, but it's been such a problem. I, the Pistons. I don't, that the def- Knicks. I'd rather be. I'd, ra- I'd, I'd rather be a Cavs <laughs> fan than a Pistons fan. I'd rather be. Well, I'd rather Knicks fan. Just to live in New York. Uh, New York's a better place than Cleveland. So <laughs> you don't get to just live in New York because you're oh. a Knicks fan. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, no, nah, probably. Uh, oh, you're right. They're, they're a bottom five excitement team. Yeah, I'm. I'm <laughs> I'm trying to look at these teams and come up with cases, but yes, I, uh, this is that it's all just, it's all bad news for all these teams, by the way. It's like, I'll tell you, there, there are teams that I, I think like if I was sitting at home being a fan, like a team that I hate is the Timberwolves. Um, also, like, I'd be I think, most excited about them only because I think they'll at least be exciting to watch. Like well, towns, but I, I, not to me, not, not for what I like in basketball. I, I hate towns. I hate his, his whole attitude. I wouldn't root, want to be rooting for him to succeed. He's such a crybaby. I, I just cannot stand Towns. Interesting. Hot Towns take. Yeah. I don't mind that. I don't mind that. I can see it. D'Angelo Russell, no defense. Totally overrated because he had one good system year in Brooklyn. I hate Minnesota. I think wow. they're going to be. I think they're going to be terrible. How about that? Hot Sorry to all our, our huge Minnesota fan base. <laughs> yeah, it's Rachel Hunsinger and Joe Smeltzer just. <laughs> <laughs> Shout Jeez, out to like, our... What were the odds that they would get a mention? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to our Minnesota faithful. Okay, uh, we're gonna roll through here. Seven o'clock. Other seven o'clock game. Rolling through. Mix and Charlotte. Um, there's a lot of games in basketball. In basketball tonight. If you you got to be a real diehard to turn into this one. I, from a fantasy perspective, basically no thanks. From a real basketball perspective, I watched a little bit of this Hornets Absolutely game. Absolutely no thanks for I, a real life basketball. I, well, I watched the Hornets last night because they were the only game on. We had uh, Rozier and, Mal- and Malik Monk in some spots. And, oh, my God. It mm-hmm. was... I'm looking at Rozier's game log, and I'm hoping that it wasn't any of the last two weeks that there's the night that you're referring to. No, it was, it was, la- it was, it was, la- it was last night because uh, Devontae. Oh, darn. Well, the, well the, the news is that Devontae Graham sat, right? So Devontae Graham sat out, and yeah. um, Malik Monk got the start, and then they just got absolutely killed by the Pacers. The team looked terrible. Uh, I, even if Graham sat this one out, uh, again, I would not go back to this the, the Rozier and Monk well. It took a lot for our system to even get there last night on a short slate because these guys are really bad, right? So um, I have no interest in it again. Nick's side, it was interesting with Dennis Smith when he went uh, like basically 11x the other night on a ton of steals and started for Peyton, but Alfred Peyton's back. So I don't think, he, and that was kind of what got RJ Barrett more minutes. I think I kind of summed this up because mostly just to say I'd like to move on from this game unless there's something, <laughs> unless there's something else you say. Nah, we can move on. Okay. Your favorite, Minnesota Timberwolves, 10-point underdogs whoa, whoa, whoa. to the Miami Heat. Miami Heat, 10-point home favorites here. This game has a high total. Obviously, the Timberwolves still without Carl Anthony Towns. He's got with the broken hand. They have been letting up a lot on defense. They, they've got some interesting guys because they basically brought in a whole I forgot. Team. Yeah, there, there is something I'm excited about on the Timberwolves. Nas Reed. Oh, Woo. don't even get me. Okay, so I got a question for you with Nas Reed. So the other night, yeah. Nas Reed... Um, you know, folks in our system were rightfully concerned against Chris Stapps and Luka Doncic that Reed's foul trouble issues were going to rear their ugly head early. Mm-hmm. And no doubt, within one minute, he had two fouls and was out of the game. He's also sort of like dropped off a little bit in a point in like the minutes and like points per dollar standpoint. 
our system's showing him. I'm a little concerned about Nas Reed, um, just like in terms of the overall plan. James Johnson's played just enough off the bench at times. Like, I don't know. I, the, you meant you started with Reed, so I'm interested to hear your take because the, the problem here is the power forward on FanDuel is so bad, and he's 4,700, so I get it. I, and even at 27 minutes, he could probably get there, but I have some real Nas Reed concerns here. Uh, talk well, it's funny. So I'll, I'll chat about Nas Reed for a second. So I'm Harkening back to when we had him going up against Boston, uh, first game after the All-Star break, and our chatters were concerned about Nasri going into that night. And what I explained was, I mean, he was only 3,800 or something, so it was a no-brainer. He was incredible, and you needed him to win any money at all. But what I, what I conceded that night was that we don't really know completely what the minutes plan is on guys like this, yeah. and since the sample size is relatively small, you know, a guy like Nas Reed, he has been, like if you go through these game logs, he scores a fantasy point or more per minute. Yes. Like, that's just what he does. So if he's out there, the combination of defensive stats, you know, rebounding, the odd scoring he can chip in, especially if his shot's falling, is enough. I mean, it's unequivocally enough. If he's going to play 30 or 32 minutes, 4,700 is enough. But the problem with being so effective on a points-per-minute basis is that every minute really matters for him. Right. So if he only gets 25 minutes, then that's going to be a much more difficult case than if he gets 32. And I think the plan is to play him 32 minutes. I, I think... That much we pretty much know, but with the combination of blowout risk and potential foul trouble, I, it's hard to pinpoint what the exact, you know, like what your goal is with your optimizer. Because if you're projecting upside, for instance, you're going to give him 33 minutes and say, this is what he's capable of, right? So in that case, he's a, an excellent big tournament target. But if you're just trying to hit the middle and being like, this is what you can expect, uh, that's a different battle. And so I think something like 28 or 29 minutes is probably appropriate. I think he's going to be in our system on that number two, and you're understanding that you're probably just welcoming in a little variance on that price. Ooh, a little variance, yeah. I this one's this one's a tough one for me. I, maybe I'm just a little gun shy because I sat through that that power that uh, foul trouble game the other night, right? And so I had that. Listen, he scored 24 fantasy points. Like that's not great, but. I imagine that you were paying probably a slightly reduced price on this. And, and shot terrible from the field, right? Like, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, you, so you ran bad. Like, that that happens, buddy. Um, so, okay, so he's interesting. I mean, they are kind of, Malik Beasley is playing a lot of minutes. When you share a backcourt with D'Angelo Russell, it's going to be tough to get a ton going uh, for yourself fantasy-wise. So I'm not sure I want to run these, especially on a big night, run any of these other guys into the Miami defense. The and I, I'm, it's going to be hard to comment too much on Miami right now because the injury news on them is that Jimmy Butler is questionable. He has been out for personal reasons over the last two games, and um, you know we've seen we still have trouble. I, I got to be honest with you. Even with Jimmy Butler out, there's still issues around predicting the Heat minutes even when he is out. So I want to caution people here. Kendrick Nunn was a pretty popular start the other night, but didn't even play crunch time or overtime for the Heat. Right. They, they, they mm. this and anytime this kind of thing can happen to a player, even though they're a starter, you have to go in with a little bit of caution. They, they close that game with Dragic, okay, and, and not, not yep. Kendrick Dunn. And so I want to caution that if Butler weren't to play, and Tyler Hero's already out as well, you have to really be, it, it's still risky, right? Like just because these guys start does not mean that they get all the minutes. The only guy that's really safe on his minutes at this point is Bam Adebayo on, on the Heat. Like, you know, they'll, they'll, they, there's really nobody else that you can hang yeah. your head. And it makes sense. It's smart. Like, you know, these guys are, not that they're interchangeable, but they do different things in different lineup constructions. Exactly. And so 
You'd expect good teams, smart coaches to do that. So anyway, so that's just the. It's hard to comment too much more on Miami here. If Butler's out again, I do think you can consider none. I think you can consider Drogic. Uh, these guys are you know interesting on a big slate. You probably don't need to totally go there in cash. But so keep an eye out for the the Butler news. I think he'll be back this game because he got ruled out really early last game for personal reasons and he got bumped up too questionable yesterday. And usually just with that kind of thing, it means we just need to make sure you're around and you're going to play. So my guess is Butler uh, does end up playing here. Other 7.30 game, Magic go in and play Atlanta. This game, predictably, also has a pretty high total. Orlando is a two-point road favorite against the Hawks. Let's start on the Hawks' side. They have started to really, really, really concentrate their minutes around the starters. Uh, and mm-hmm. it was already like that with Trey Young. But last game... I mean, they, they'd already been kind of doing that with Hunter and Reddish. And then Herder, too. Like, Herder's playing 38 minutes. Um Young's playing 38 minutes. Hunter, I think, played 39 last game. Reddish is coming up the bench, so he's like a, he's the little one that's a little out of, out of that one because they're starting dead minute center and they move Collins to power forward. But Collins, like I mean, I think I think Collins played 40 minutes last game. How aggressive do we want to be on the Hawks minutes? I have Collins right now at 37 minutes. He played 39 and 37 over the last two. I'm mentioning him because he starts to become into the power forward conversation. Um, you know, what, how aggressive do we want to be on these Hawks minutes? They're a bad team, but it looks like they're saying, look, these are our guys. This is who we're going to go you know, forward with, and we just want to get them all the minutes in the world right now. Yeah, I, I'd be a little bit concerned about aggressively projecting Collins just because I do feel like there's some merit to the idea that his role is slightly reduced these days. Um, you know, like, I, not the greatest source ever, but... Uh, this was being discussed on the Bill Simmons podcast recently, how the emergence of Trey Young and, you know, the kind of direction this team is going with Capella coming and so forth has kind of relegated Collins more to a corner three sort of role in the offense. And if you look at the per season or the, the on the, the total season per game stats, he's paying roughly 5x points per dollar. If you look at the last six games or so, you see one huge game against Dallas and then you see a number of kind of like mid-30s games and I wonder if when it all comes out on the wash, he's going to ultimately be a guy who's like a $7,500 player rather than 8000 And if some of that is being masked right now by, yeah, there's been this bump in minutes, but it hasn't necessarily coincided with a big bump in production. So not that I mind him necessarily, but I think tonight's a night where you can get greedy. And I, I don't know that Collins is a way that I picture getting greedy tonight. I don't think it's terrible or anything, but... Um, yeah, I just don't know that that's exactly how I would want to. So let me flip this around because, like, there's a there's an interesting sort of like short term, and it's actually happening in this game. So going the other direction, you have Aaron Gordon, right? So Aaron Gordon's minutes over the last four games are 41, 34, 42, 36 fantasy points of thir- 49, 39, 52, 43. He's a guy that if we're looking at short term sample, he like. Even with the bump in minutes, it's not going to get there because the season-long numbers hadn't really been there up until recently. And it's like almost like they're like, these guys are dovetailing in a weird way, maybe on the graph, and, and, and headed in opposite directions. He's 500 less than Collins going, obviously, in the same game. Probably, I mean, all by all accounts, a better matchup because the Hawks are a better matchup than the Magic. Would you rather just play Aaron Gordon at, these, at, 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 the, at, sort mm. of, at a slight discount than Collins? Yeah, that, that is a pretty interesting one, I think. And, and, you know, it's obviously a pretty good matchup going the other way. And I talked earlier about how the Magic are not as good a matchup as they've been in the past. You know, the, the combination of improved defense and the third slowest pace in the entire league has left them, you know, le- left it being a pretty tough spot to want to run guys into them. So, yeah, I, I think I do prefer Gordon. I mean, I think the recent game log is better. The price is cheaper. And, 
he was fresh off of, I mean, you know, it's like I said, there's been some changes, but he dropped 44 fantasy points on the same Hawks team on February 10th when they met four games ago. So I think that, uh, that all adds up to a pretty reasonable spot. Yeah, I think he's going to be a pretty popular play. Like I, th- I think I suspect his ownership just on the ba- just on the basic run, the, the short-term run alone, will probably be higher than Collins. We have him pretty far behind in terms of projections, so I need to look into why exactly that. There's such a stark difference in projection. It almost makes me think there's something going on with Aaron Gordon's projection, but I'll look into that uh, after we get off the podcast. Anything else to see here? They, they've played the Orlando's had got a great matchup here. This is a great total. Uh, Fultz played a lot of minutes last game against Brooklyn. Uh, Fournier just kind of comes and goes. Uh, I'm, I think I, I'm, Fultz I find to be interesting. Uh, then we obviously have Vooch, um, who has upside, but I'm not sure about the center position if we're going to be going that direction tonight. I mean, what do you make of a guy like Fultz? 33 minutes, only 17 fantasy points. Do you think that they just don't run enough of the offense through the – they kind of traditionally not run a lot of offense through the point guard mm-hmm. uh, in Orlando. It kind of feel, still feels like that's the case with Fultz. Yeah, Fultz I think is just still a little bit understandably gun-shy around shooting a lot, and I think that's going to – kind of determine his value on a night-to-night basis where the assist numbers are great. Like you'll take eight assists out of a guy who's 5,600 any day of the week. Um, but the combination of the relatively inconsistent scoring and subsequently the somewhat inconsistent minutes as well, like, you know, going between 28 and 33 minutes is actually a pretty wide range. And especially like when the shot's not falling for him, I think they're pretty quick to pivot to other directions. So I'd rather not play Fultz. I, I just, you know, again, point guard, I'm starting with Dinwiddie in my mind right now, and we haven't even talked about Luki yet, who I think is another great value uh, in that pay-up option sort of tonight too. So point guard already really competitive. And you know, if we're, if we're talking about potentially not playing Pirtle, I don't think I'm going to go down with Fultz. You know, like that's not... That's not enough bang for my buck to want to get away from these other more expensive. I'm not like a mechanics guy when it comes to um, basketball, but I watched the Orlando game the other night when they played the Nets. That shot, his shot looks terrible still. Like it looks so weird. uh, Fultz, if it looks just like a shot put shot. And listen, if it goes in the basket, it goes in the basket. But when one thing is when you have that weird mechanics, like you're just going to be less consistent. That's like the whole the whole point of having good mechanics is that you. like I'm, I'm with you. I can't just like watch it and be like. Ooh, well, I can I watch it. I can notice it when it looks real. I can notice it when it looks really bad. Like yeah. you know what I mean. Like that, that. That's it's. It's easier to notice when it's so different than everybody else, right? As short of that, like I'm sure there's you yeah. know guys that can make it work, but I'm sure that you know I'm not trying, I'm trying to pick it apart. I'm just saying it, when it looks so weird, um, that's when it really does stand out. Eight o'clock game. Memphis goes in and plays Houston. Memphis just getting brutalized with injuries right now. Jaron Jackson, they lose uh, for a time. And then right out of, after that, Brandon Clark uh, comes out of the game, uh, basically within the first like four minutes last game. And he's been already ruled out for, I believe, two weeks. And so now a Memphis team that was already sort of like a little small around this spot when, with Jackson and Clark, oh, they're very good. Now, I, you know, they played – okay, so I'm wondering your thoughts here. Josh Jackson started the second half last game. Uh, he's a minimum guy, but Gorgie Dang played a lot of minutes too uh, off the bench. And I'm just wondering your opinion here about like, do we just, uh, let's assume Josh Jackson starts. We just, he's like an automatic play, right? FanDuel 3,500. Um, you need so yeah. little out of him. I, I don't, I don't know about Dang. I, I, I'm kind of confused about what, where to set his minutes because it's a relatively new situation. It probably doesn't end up becoming as much of an issue just because um, he's center eligible and we've already talked about the issues there. But, uh, I'm mostly talk, looking at Jackson here. I don't really know what to do with the rest of the team for Memphis. There's also some blowout risk. Uh, thoughts here on Memphis, mm-hmm. and then uh, we'll move over to uh, Houston. Well, Jackson, this reminds me of when we played Nas Reeves for the first time, where Jackson's going to be a guy 
on his current opportunity that's already sort of in consideration, right? Like he's he's paying this price handily on 22 minutes a game. So any increase at all, I think he would be an absolute automatic play. I think um, if you can project him for even just flat 25 minutes, I think he's an excellent play tonight. So very enthusiastic about his prospects. Um, after that, you know, it does get a little tricky when you start incorporating blowout risk with some of these other plays because, you know, like the, the idea with Jackson is that, well, he's going to play 22 to 25 minutes and anything after that, you're just getting away with murder. And I don't necessarily feel the same way about these other Memphis guys. You know, like, can, if the game stays close, can like Ja, for instance, absolutely go off on these prices? Sure. But again, you're, you're just not, that's not a hill you're going to be on, on on a night with a bunch of excellent point guard plays and him averaging 3x points per dollar in his last three games, right? So, um, yeah. So I think we're starting with Jackson tonight for sure. After that, it just we're back in the in the questionable territory. Uh, but the, the the question I have for you though is on this payup options. You know, right now our system prioritizing Luca and Embiid, as we kind of mentioned earlier. Do you think it's going to be a chalk hard tonight, just because there's so much good value elsewhere, and especially at center? Like if other people don't feel the need to prioritize Embiid, they do go in the direction of Pirtle. Do you think we're going to be on an island looking down at 85 percent? Yeah, this is a tough one. We haven't gotten to DeRozan yet. Um, so DeRozan kind of throws the, the shooting guard thing into a... In... He's just cheap, though, too. Like, like you can play Harden with DeRozan. Those guys aren't in competition. Yeah, I know. This is a weird one. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think that people will look at that. Uh, the Pirtle thing is probably too good to get away from. And when that's the case, um, I think you're going to end up seeing... You could just see a Harden-Westbrook stack. I mean, Westbrook... So Westbrook was ruled out really yeah. late. They, they were flying in from the Kobe funeral on um, Sunday. And they, they were kind of game time decisions, but they were taking a private plane back. And then at the very last second, Westbrook was said, oh, he's coming off the bench. And then he was ruled out with thumb soreness, right? It happened like after lock. So you couldn't really, it was hard to pivot. You couldn't pivot the FanDuel mm -hmm. uh, stuff into it. But DraftKings, you could kind of get there if you had the space. But um, with Eric Gordon possibly being out here, there's a chance I could see a case for just stacking Westbrook and Harden together as the two payup options, right? Like, and this is it's just mm -hmm. a good matchup. They rarely lose minutes, um, just because like of the way that they sort of stagger their minutes. And I don't know, Houston is all long since long not really cared too much about blowouts um, at times. So I don't know. This one's I think this is a, this comes down to be like the very central question for the whole slate, right? Is like where you value Houston guys. I would be very nervous. If we went in with like Embiid and Doncic, and like some weird power forward options maybe, and then on mm -hmm. Fanduel, and then yeah, like Harden was seventy percent start and Russ was seventy percent start or something like that. Like I would be, that would. I don't mind missing out on Harden. I or I'm sorry on Russ. I think that between Doncic and Dinwiddie, I'm confident with that point guard duo for us. I, I think that's fine. The Harden thing would spook me because there's just worlds where Embiid scores forty eight fantasy points and Harden scores seventy five, and you're pretty unhappy. <laughs> so. Uh, so I, yeah, I don't know, especially just given, cause the other thing, you know, the hurdle piece and, you know, hearkening back to the ebook again, if we're really picturing him going for like 35 to 40 fantasy points, that's already pretty hard to overcome in and of itself. Yeah. If, you know, there's even a reasonable payoff option elsewhere, plus, you know, potentially nine or 10 X. And that's, you know, you just get so much variance. This is why nights like this, they feel kind of easy. Cause you're like, man, I get so many good options to pick from. Like my lineup's going to be good no matter what. It actually doesn't always work out that way. Oftentimes, it just increases your variance because there's so many good plays at so many positions. And if your good play only goes for 6x and the chalk good play goes for 10x, then you just lose automatically. So that's 
That's uh, that'll be the, yeah. the trick. Yeah, um, I do like. I have liked more watching the Houston. I love the small ball thing. I, I have to say, I like that. I've never been a Houston hater like some like some people oh, are. Yeah. I think I've long defended that this is just a different form of basketball, and just everyone can stop whining about it. Like I just don't understand. I just like to do your best to win. I, I think it's you couldn't be a bigger crybaby if you're like, oh, I don't, I don't like the, what this team is doing, but they're good. Like what? Like they, they just figured out a way to play this game better than other people, and that bothers. Yeah, it's you like making like an reason. aesthetic call about more home runs. It's like I just don't like it. I like when they run around the bases. I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. Like, just like, well, why would you do that? Like, uh, <laughs> oh, I like when these guys are out here. That's what I mean. Like, exactly. it's just like you, you just don't like the aesthetic <laughs> of it, or worse. And I think this is actually the case with a lot of basketball people is they've just been told they don't like it. Right. Like, I, like I think that's that's actually more mm, yeah. of what I think the problem is that, like, they listen to talking heads uh, who have said they don't like it. And then they just kind of transplant that idea onto their into their brain without really ever having thought about, like, what it's actually happening. I think that's that's that maybe is actually maybe the thing that bothers sure. me more than anything else, because I do think that's is more the case than someone just like going into X's and O's and be like, I don't, I dislike this hardened game. It's like, well, you haven't watched enough to really know. I mean, stop. Okay. Uh, uh, whatever. And it all can't be, it all can't be like peak warriors for five years where like that is kind of perfect basketball. Like we kind of got weirdly ran hot with just this one perfect team for, <laughs> for such a long period of time. Right. It's just unlikely that that's ever going to be the case again. So whatever. Everyone can shut up about Houston. E30 game, Dallas and goes in and plays the Spurs. We talked about Doncic already as a possible payup option um, at ten thousand. That's really coming pretty cheap for what he brings you. I think that's it's that I do find that price on Fanduel at least to be pretty tough to get away from. Uh, he dropped forty four and twenty five minutes against the T Wolves there today. Uh, fantasy points fifty five and thirty four against Orlando. If you think the game stays close, thirty five to thirty six minutes is in the cards here for Doncic. And then on the I don't really know where else to go here. When he plays, I, they get a lot of minutes out of the starters, like Stapps and Hardaway and even Seth, uh, Seth Curry's played, but it's just it's really all Luka from a fantasy perspective. Now, on the Spurs side, Lamar, LaMarcus Aldridge is already going to sit out. That got ruled, uh, and we talked to, in every game we talked about, we found a way to talk about Pirtle, basically. But then there's DeMar DeRozan. Um, he's only 6,900 on FanDuel. The, the usage definitely increases when Aldridge is off the court here. Uh, and we've seen, and the minutes too, because they just kind of need his scoring. Where do you rank him? And just, you know, we mentioned Dinwiddie and guys like maybe even Levert as, as places to start. Where does DeRozan rank for you in that group? Right now, we have him getting a 5% bump in usage with Aldridge off the court. So, real quick, I'll give you the numbers 27. He's got a 28% usage rate. Uh, full season this year, that number spikes to 34% when Aldridge is off the court. Where does DeRozan rank in sort of like the must-haves when it comes to starting with uh, with cash? It, pretty highly. I mean, I think we have a recent proxy for this. The end of January, Aldridge missed back-to-back -back games uh, at Chicago and then against Utah. In those two games, DeRozan averaged 37 points from the field and a flat 50.0 fan duel points. And I think when you get that level of production in not so good matchups either, like Utah, notoriously bad matchup. And then even Chicago, unless you're an opposing big man, not a great matchup there either. So yeah, DeRozan, he's got to be there, right? I mean, I, not that he has to be in the lineups, but he has to be on the very, very short list of plays that you want to consider tonight. Um, I think if there's any potential fly in the ointment, it's like, you know, is this team, like, I guess the question is like, what is this Spurs team right now? Are they even good enough to be in consideration like like are they going to be good enough to give DeRozan a consistent crack at this thing I guess is a question that I would ask Dallas five and a half point favorites right now but that strikes me as a game that could go 
the other way too, where Dallas is just on. Luke is doing his thing, and they're up by 25 at halftime. I know Vegas doesn't suggest it, so you probably don't need to worry about it. But I think on a night where you're just picking between great plays, like that would concern me a little bit more than maybe like Karis Levert at a similar price point. I don't know. But maybe, maybe you're right. Just flat out value-wise, it sure looks like DeRozan's expectation with no Aldridge is in the mid-40s fantasy points-wise, and that, that's going to be tough to escape on a 69 If you want the reason to get away from Pirtle in cash, it would be the second game of the two that Aldridge missed um, when they played the Jazz, and Pirtle played only 22 mm-hmm. minutes in that game, and it wasn't foul trouble, okay? He went, he played 22 minutes, he had four points, five assists, eight rebounds. That would be a disaster, right, um, on the, based on the size of this slate. Okay, so like um, that, that's mostly what I'm talking about. If it was like a five game slate, I don't think, I think you could not really worry about it too much. I think in the end. I mean, you could weather, you can weather six sacks. That, that's fair. 4, yeah, you probably like, can. Okay. Anyway, that, but I guess my point is like, this is where the, this is where, this is like the one thing that says this is not a complete and utter lock to be great, right? Like, so, because mm-hmm. the Spurs are the Spurs, and that game, they just played a ton of wing minutes. You know, Rudy Gay got 22, Patty Mills got 25. Derek White got 23, and then Bellinelli, who really kind of has been in and out of the rotation, um, he only got 24. He got 24 minutes. So if you want the – and they won this game as well. So if you want the case against Pirtle, that would be it. I, I still think you could be incredibly aggressive just because points per dollar-wise, he's so good. So I'm not, I'm not not making a strong case against him. But, yeah, don't, don't just – don't plug him in for 30 minutes and say – that is just going to for sure happen. This is the Spurs, and that's just not always the case. All right, two more games. Clippers mm-hmm. go in and play Phoenix. This game has the highest total of the, no, excuse me, the second highest total of, of the day. But that's mostly because the Clippers are getting fully healthy now. Pa- both Paul George and Patrick Beverly came back last game. Um, I, when that's the case, I, I'm going to move through this relatively quickly, I think. The, on a big slate, when everyone's healthy, we kind of just need to say the Clippers are out of, us, uh, out of our uh, kind of brain space for fantasy yep. contention, correct? Yeah, I agree completely. I think they're all priced like somebody's right. missing. And <laughs> when nobody's missing, that kind of takes them all off the table, even in a, a still a pretty good matchup. The, and the Phoenix. one injury piece that's wor- is probably worth mentioning on the other side is Kelly Oubre has already been ruled out for this game. Um, Oubre, that's a, yeah. that's a lot of, a lot yeah, of exactly, usage. Right, exactly. He, he has a pretty high usage rate. It's kind of like a sneaky high usage rate because you think of Devin Booker and maybe DeAndre Ayton as getting, uh, as, as kind of soaking up a lot of the shots here. Oubre does have a 22% usage, which is, I, I mentioned it because when you play with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, that's a lot of shots. You're getting, you're taking almost like the rest of the shots, right? So like a 22% usage, like I said, Booker has a 30% and then Ayton has 24. If we move Oubre off the court, where do you kind of see the minutes? I gave some to Cam Johnson. I gave a lot more to Michael Bridges, but he was already playing a lot. Like it's not, wasn't totally clear to me yeah. about where to go. I mean, they have Sarge here now, but I'm not sure he can really play. You know, the three. I, it's, I was a little confused about where to kind of land on the minutes. Uh, but and just for what it's worth, no real clear huge usage upgrades except for Booker when Ubre is off the court. Booker moves all the way up to a 34%, um, but no one else really. The needle doesn't move a ton for the Suns. Um, is there anything to see here? Or they would kind of just like you know, Cam Johnson or someone like that? Like, what do you want to – is there any? Is it even worth mentioning here what happens to the Ubre's sort of opportunity? Well, it's an awfully tough matchup. I think that's where we can begin, especially for opposing wings. So taking over Ubre's minutes is no sure thing that you're just going to come in and – you know, punch up to 40 fantasy points. Um, we also have a recent proxy for this too. In January, Ray missed two games. And in those two games, Michael Bridges was an interesting story. So the first game against the Knicks, uh, he scored 15 fantasy points in 34 minutes, just awful. And then the next game against Boston, he played 40 minutes and scored 42 fantasy points. So helped you win big tournaments. And I think 
that's sort of what you can expect. I mean, Bridges' recent game log tells a similar story where when it's all clicking, especially if he can throw together a few defensive stats, he's certainly capable. I mean, just look at his game log recently. Like He's paid this price even with Ubre around on multiple occasions. And he also scores 12 fantasy points sometimes too. So I don't know that the extra like five to seven minutes, um, you know, kind of gets him in there above some of the other punt plays we've discussed so far. Because one of the things, the concepts we haven't really touched on thus far is that, yeah, there's competition in your big money slots. And that's kind of obvious because you run out of money occasionally. But there's also plenty of competition in your punt slots too. And you just can't fill your lineup with four and $5,000 players. Like at some point you just need to spend the salary. And will Bridges wind up being, you know, one of the three or four guys in that price range that we wind up playing? You know, when we've already discussed, you know, like I'll, I'll throw out some names we've, thrown out there already right so we discussed josh jackson if he starts much better play um we discussed naz reed i i would personally want to throw my hat in the naz reed camp before the michael bridges thing we discussed good mid-range guys like dinwiddie tobias harris uh Levert's, demar Derozan. like that's you're getting a lot of bang for your buck value wise like right now i think our optimal lineups are projected for 368 fanduel points and that's without the presence of Michael Bridges. And, you know, it's hard to break in when the lineup's already projected to go more than 6x points per dollar. So, yeah, I could see Bridges. Last last question for you. Um, sure. If Sarge were to start here, what do you think would be the real minutes mm. to give him um, in that in that kind of like three, I guess he'd be playing power forward and they'd move Bridges to the three. Where would you, um, you know, where would you land on minutes? Because he's he's like the bare minimum in FanDuel at a very difficult position at, at, the, at that power forward position. Um, I'm only mentioning him because... Yeah. I think that might be you know moderately interesting. What would it be twenty six minutes on him? Twenty more? Because so the last time we raced that, he played twenty eight and thirty seven minutes, yeah. and that's a lot of minutes. Uh, I think if you give him thirty minutes, he's in lineups, and he probably should be. Actually, I think I would be more excited about him. You know, considering the savings as well, right? Like if you're gonna save the extra thirteen hundred, that's gonna really matter on a night where you're pinching pennies and trying to get from you know a really good five thousand dollar play to a really good sixty three hundred dollar play. Uh, that that all adds up. So I think I think you can be a little bit aggressive with Sarge there. Again, with the understanding that on his current price tag, he hasn't been incredible. I mean, he missed a lot of games with an injury. But he's been reasonable. I mean, he's scoring 5x points per dollar on this price as a raw backup. So if he, I think if he gets plugged in, you can expect some growth there. Um, the thing we haven't touched on quite as much is that this game with LA fully healthy and Phoenix not so much healthy... There is definitely some blah yeah, risk this, too. So uh, six and a half point spread. LA is way right now, but that this Clippers team well, has not played a ton altogether. But when they have, they are awesome. Yeah. Uh, this this five man unit is, or right. specifically the four man um, with Beverly, PG, Kawhi, and uh, oh, who am I missing here? Oh well, no. So the other two was like Lou Will and uh, Montrezl. These guys. Um, are just really, really, really good. So, yeah, I think there's probably definitely concerns there. I mm-hmm. did finally put in the Ubre bump, and there's some some of these guys do get uh, nice little bumps. I don't think it's going to be enough to push them, but if a, a minute's increase on Sarge might put him into start putting him into lineups. All right, final game, Boston goes into Utah. I don't think there's a ton to see here. Boston's coming on the back-to-back. Um, on a big slate, this game starts at 10.30. There's no injury news really to mention in this game, but um, except for Kemba continues to sit for Boston. I don't think for again going against Utah on a big slate, this is where we need to run the Celtics guys in. I know we talked about them at length yesterday. Uh, we're going to start to run over time here. Anything to see uh, in this final game? I'm not really seeing it from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, not really. I mean, at this point now, the Boston guys, the prices have ticked up, ticked up, ticked up, and now they happen to be 
running up against a very tough and slow matchup. So again, on a, such a competitive night, I don't think you need to go there. I do think from a big tournament perspective, I think there's a lot of upside on someone like uh, Daniel Theis, for instance, who you know has at times shown that 9x points per dollar upside, especially when Boston's relying on his size. And with Gobert looming on the other side, I think tonight will be such a game. The floor is pretty reasonable, and I think the upside is, is kind of undeniable. So he's someone I'm keeping an eye on. And uh, yeah, that's just wanted to make sure I threw out there. I think people sort of sleep on him as an upside guy, but the price has just stayed so low. But I think the upside is All right, is we're going to get totally out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site, DFSR.com for short. You can head over to DFSR.com slash deals. Get yourself started on a free trial to our projection system powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab. Optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings, NBA, NHL, which our boy Chris Thrill absolutely crushing it. Like these guys, have, if Chris ever needs to like go yeah. off and do something else, like our chatters could write him like the nicest ever letter of recommendation at this point to get <laughs> these guys are just in there every night. I think they think he's like, they were calling him Merlin, like Nostradamus, like all the things, like they like they, they, they were throwing around <laughs> superlatives. I've never heard anyone come close to talking about us. Uh, this is about the NHL thing. So it's all covered under one package. DFSR.com slash deals will get you started. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more hoops, buddy. Enjoy your Wednesday in basketball. Peace.